Amen. So thank you all so much for all our first time guests. Thank you for being here. I hope you got your Bibles. We're going to dig into the word. We'll have y'all out of here by four o'clock. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter four, uh, verse number 12. Amen. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Amen. And today I just want to give you a topic uh, called people of the word. People of the word. Last week we started a new series called Culture. Culture, where we are working through the various culture points and foundational uh, mission points of the Rock Church. And last week we talked about the culture point of discipleship. And we dealt with Luke chapter 14, where Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to hate mother, father, sister, brother. If you want to be my disciple, you have to carry your cross. If you want to be my disciple, you got to count the cost. If you want to, on Thursday night, we, we dealt with what it meant to be salt. He said, if salt loses its flavor, then what good is it, right? What it means to be the salt of the earth as a disciple. And so today, we're going to be dealing with our next point, which is we have a culture of the word. We're on the foundation of the word of God. And you may be saying, okay, he about to give us some scriptures about the word. Amen. We know the word important. Da, 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 da. We got you, Pastor Cole. We know the word. Da, 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 da. If you're saying that, that means you don't know the word important if you're going to overlook it. Amen. So we're going to deal with the, with the foundation of the word. And I believe that if we're going to be people, as we said last week, who are called to make disciples, who are called to be disciples, who are called to go into all of the world, that we have, be, we have to be a people that love the word. We have to be a people that love the scriptures. We have to be a people that study the word. We have to be a people that consume the word of God regularly, frequently, and with intentionality. I want to give you a couple of statistics from uh, the Barna Group. The Barna Group, B-A-R-N-A, is a a Christian research uh, group that does, they're one of the top research firms in the country that does research on things involving faith and culture. And they take a lot of polls, a lot of statistics of a lot of things, promise you I won't bore you with a thousand statistics, but I want to give you a couple. And this was as of this year in 2021. They did a study called the state of the Bible, the state of the Bible. And it says this, it says that one in seven Americans, and this was all in the United States, one in seven Americans, about 14%, believes the nation would be better without the Bible. My God, one in seven. So one, two, three, four, five. It said one, so two, through two people in here believe. Okay, y'all looking at me like, no, it ain't me, brother. And then this next thing, it says that over half of the U.S. adults, about 54%, believe that that America will be worse off without the Bible. So the good majority of it. But there's a few that believe it will be better. There's also a couple more. It says that one one out of eight Americans believe that the Bible is just another book of stories and advice, right? Just another good, you know, the good book, some good things to live by, right? And it says about 10% of Americans believe that the Bible was written to control and manipulate people, right? So we got some people that believe that it's, you know, it's, it's the white man. They tried to get them for the slave religion. It's, it's, it's all that stuff, right? Y'all heard, y'all heard that stuff, right? That some people believe that they said one in eight. Now, so I'm doing the count. I'm doing the math on y'all in here. I'm counting down the road. I say, okay, out of 12 people in here. So that means it. All right. And then lastly, it says that one out of six U.S. adults reads the Bible most days during the week, right? So one out of six. So, you know, a good amount of reading every day. And then it goes down from there. People reading once a year, people reading once a month and things like that. 
And so we see that when you go and read this study, that there's a wide variety of what people, um, how they approach the Bible and how they approach the word, how often they consume the word, what their beliefs are about the word. And so, but I believe that if we're going to be people who are disciples, we have to be foundational and, and, and rooted on the word of God to where that is our, that is Oh Lord, what's the music? Amen. That is our foundation. That is our root. That is what we stand on. That is what we build our lives on. And here are a few things to consider about God's word. A few things to consider is that in the book of Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, it says this. It says the word of God is alive and active. And we want to deal with first the active nature of the word. The active nature of the word. And what we have to remember is that God's word, scripture, is not just another collection of dead religious routine stories. Not just something that I know many of you may have grown up with, with the Bible sitting on grandmama's coffee table. And this, my parents even had this big, about the biggest this thing, big Bible. You feel like you need a shovel to flip it over, to flip the pages over. This massive thing sitting there, right? And for many people, it was just a symbol, right? Never read, and never look at it, but it was there for in grandma's house and might skim it every once in a while, right? And so we have to understand that there, the Bible says that the, the word of God is alive and active. And the funny thing is that when it says that in that scripture, in the Greek there, that word powerful, that Greek word means that it's, it has energy and it is effective. My God. So that means that the word of God we have to understand is that the word is move. It has movement to it. And that every time we consume the word, every time we hear the word, every time we speak the word, that we are speaking something that carries some momentum to it. That when we are declaring the word of God, we are speaking something that carries some life to it. This is why the Bible tells us, hey, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And we have to be renewed by the word of God. When we speak these words out, we are renewing our minds. We are renewing our spirits. We are renewing the atmosphere. We are renewing our families. The word of God has an energy to it. It has a life to it that if we, this is the thing, if we think it's dead, then we won't go to it when we need answers to life. Hey man, we got the elevator music going. Oh <laughs> I'm trying to turn it. It seems like it's just getting louder. I don't know. Maybe let's turn the other way. Other way. Left. One more. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's it. Don't touch it. <laughs> oh Lord. Hotel church, amen. You got the you got to roll with the punches, right? I'm trying to preach. I'm like, hey, dude, dude, dude. I'm like, what's going on? Wait a minute, that's the wrong type of. I don't need that type of. Amen. <laughs> Thank you all for bearing with us. Amen. Amen. We're, we're growing. We're learning. Amen. We're not gonna always be in the hotel forever. Amen. We're gonna have our own building. My God, that God gonna bless us with. Amen. Let me backtrack and get back into this. And so, understanding that if we approach the word like it is a dead book of religious stories and advice, then if we think it's dead, we won't go to it when we need answers to now. If we think it's dead, we won't run to it when we need something to lean on now. If we think it's dead, we won't realize how effective it is for our lives. Now, if we just think it's just a, a, a you know, some guys wrote some stuff and some good stories and he has some good points in there. If we think that, then we won't think it's relevant for now. And, and the writer is showing us, the writer of Hebrews is showing us that the word of God is alive for you today. It's And especially in our generation, we deal with a lot of things. What is, is it relevant? What is relevant for us? Is the Bible relevant? That's a major question. 
Are, is scripture relevant? Is it, is it relevant that you still teach that marriage is between a man and a woman? Is it relevant that you still teach that you should wait until you're married to engage in sexual relations? Is it relevant, right? All these, is it relevant that you shouldn't have seven wives? Right? Is, it, is, it, is that relevant, right? Is it re- this is the thing that, 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 that the culture wants to know. Is this thing relevant for me now? I'm dealing with this now. I'm dealing with the stress now. I'm dealing with the anxiety now. I'm dealing with the pressures now. Is the is the scripture relevant for me now? And the Hebrew writer is telling us, he said that the word is alive and active. It has not died. It did not. It, it, it's not just a, 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 something they found, you know, buried somewhere. He said, no, 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 this thing is alive and moving. And if we think the word is dead, if we think that the word is dead, we will only look at it as a monument and not a movement. If we think the word is dead, we will only approach it like a monument to say, oh, that looks nice. Oh, that was like a stat. Oh, that's a nice thing. That's a, oh, that was so nice. Oh, he was a good person. That's a nice statue. Okay, moving on. We'll read the little thing you know, when you go to the museum. Okay, that was, mm-hmm. okay, great, and moving on. We'll approach it like a monument, like a statue, instead of this is a movement that's still moving right now. And so we have to see the word of God as alive. And the reason that the word of God is alive and active is because the word of God, when you are consuming that, you are consuming Christ himself. You are interacting and engaging and fellowshipping with Christ himself when you are taking in the word and when you are reading the word and when you are studying the word and when you are meditating on the word, you are meditating on Christ. The Bible says in John 1 and 1, it says that in the beginning, the word already existed and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 of John 1. So the word became human and made his home among us. It says that Christ Jesus is the word himself. The word became flesh. So every time that you are going to your to the scriptures, every time that you are going to the word, every time that you are reading it, every time that you are studying it, you are coming face to face with Jesus Christ. You are coming face to face with the God man. You are coming face to face with your Lord and Savior and you are communing directly with him. The word is alive because the word is Jesus Christ. What we read in the word is a revelation of who Christ is. What we see in the word is a revelation of who Christ is. The stories that we see, there are multiple pictures, shadows, and points to say this is all pointing to one person. And every time that we are consuming the word, we are consuming Christ. Every time that we are communing with the word, we are communing with Christ. We are not just taking in facts. And so that's a nice fact. The Bible has this many books. The Bible has this many verses. This person did that. That's fine. That's that's good to have. And that's good to know because that's a part of the process. But we're not just taking in facts and knowledge because facts and knowledge are not going to save you. But it's going to it's going to be a faith in who Christ is. So when we are studying the word, when we are taking in the word, we are studying the man, the God of Christ, God Christ, who he is and being transformed by him. The word of God is alive and Active, not just a monument, but a movement moving forward with energy and with effectiveness. And then we keep going in verse number 12. It says this. It says that the word is sharper than the sharpest two edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It says it is sharp. My God, that's a hard. Let me read that again. It says it's sharper than the sharpest two edged sword. 
and it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And this is the thing about the word. And it's so funny. I'll tell you a story. I, I posted a scripture on my Instagram story. Um, yeah, uh, it was yesterday, two days ago. And a, another pastor friend of mine, it was such a, it, it was a verse that kind of hit me. You know, it was talking about lying. I said, oh, geez, I ain't lying. I'm like, Lord, help me. Jesus. I posted it, you know, and, and my friend responded. He said, when that sword starts swinging, it cut everybody up. And what he was saying, what he was referencing this verse without referencing saying that, that word of God has a way of cutting you. Ah, this is a thing. See, let me not say that. The, the, the word of God has a way more than any other person. Because, you know, people can say some stuff to you like, ooh, that hurt. Ah, my wife might say something in a way like, ah, I might say something to her to a way like, oh, that was. But the word has a way of cutting you to say, oh, my, ooh. Ooh, that, that cut me in a place. I didn't even know I, I didn't even know I had that in there. I didn't even know that was dwelling in me. But the Bible says that the word of God has a way to get down to the things that are dwelling on the inside. It says that it, it is cut, it cuts and divides between soul and spirit. That's some serious cutting right there. And when we deal with our soul, right? When we deal with our soul, we deal with our mind, our will, and our emotions. And when we deal with our spirit, we deal with the alive, perfected God man in us, the eternal part of us, right? And the Bible says that the word of God has the ability to divide between. Now, it has the ability to divide between soul and spirit, to divide between where my mind stops and where the mind of God is, to have the ability to divide between what is my will and what is his. It has the ability to divide between what is flesh and me just tripping and what is being led by the spirit, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. Right. It says that the word of God has has the ability to cut right on between that. Right. And see, and because the word of God has this ability, the, the word of God cannot be used as a tool for the immature. It cannot be used as a tool for abuse because this thing is sharp. And people have used scripture for thousands of years, hundreds of years for their own foolishness, for their own tricks, for so you can give more offering. He said the word of God is not consider how serious this thing is, that this scripture is not to be wielded around haphazardly. Right. It says that this word has the ability to cut left, to cut right. And only and see, if you're immature with your own agenda, we will use it. I'll use it to say, girl, you got to submit to me and go read the other 12 verses of that Corey and put that in context and stop using it for your own abuse. You need to give me an offering. I need everybody to take out a $50 seed right now. Get in line right here. I need everybody. And I will use it and say, oh, I need, I need this and I need that. And, and, and you got to give to your pastor and twist the word of God. See, he says, my word is short. It can, you cannot use it with an immature agenda. It, can, it has to be used with the mind. And you have to have the mind of Christ so that when we begin to apply the word, we apply it with wisdom and with care. Not just taking a few scriptures out of context to build our own doctrine, but looking at the totality of scripture, looking at the totality of the book, looking at the totality of the passage, looking at the history of the thing to say, what does this really mean? Or am I just making up my own theology? And when we are, if we are of an immature mindset, we will just wield it around haphazardly, not realizing that this thing is sharp and cuts deep and cuts wide. But this is the thing about God. See, we talk. See, this is the thing about cutting. Now, I like to watch. I like to watch these doctor shows, right? Y'all watch these doctors. I know some of y'all watch Grey's Anatomy. And I've been watching this new show. Uh, it's called The Resident. Y'all seen that on Hulu? It's called The Resident. Okay. I like that one. I like the other one, The Good Doctor, with the guy who has autism, but he's super smart, right? I like shows like that. These do- oh, that's another one, too. Uh, new Amsterdam. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, yeah. I watch those, too. So I like these doctor shows, right? I used to want to be a doctor when I was a kid, so I, I'm living vicariously through these guys. Now, I know the shows are fake, right? And I know there are some things that they're embellishing, right? But I, I always think 
think it's funny, right? When you get these, you know, these surgeons, they're always like super confident. And I have the hands of God to save your life. And, you know, they're talking all this super confident stuff, right? But I do find it interesting is that, you know, when they go to cut someone and when they go to operate, they have so much skill to know when to cut, to know why to cut. They know how to cut. They know how deep to cut this thing open. And check this out. Check this out. See, this is, you got to understand, because there's different types of cuts. There are some cuts that come to, 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 to kill. There are some cuts that come to hurt, right? But there are sometimes when that, see, when there's a master surgeon, he knows how to cut to just remove a piece of this. He knows how to cut to just repair a piece of that. Come on, y'all got to catch this. Right? He, he knows how to cut to just reveal a little portion that we couldn't quite see. He, he knows how to cut just to relieve some pressure that's on the leg, that's on the vein, that's on the heart, right? See, a master surgeon, just for watching TV, now I ain't go to medical school, but, but see, the master surgeon, they know how to cut and, and what type of cut needs to be made in order to, to get the job done, in order to bring the healing, right? Now, come on now, let's bring this into our God Almighty, right? He's the physician of all physicians, right? He's the doctor of all doctors. Right. He says, he says, with my word, I know where to cut you and how to cut you. And we think about cutting. We always think it's bad. But he said, no, no, no. I know how to cut just a little. Ooh, that that right there opened up your vein. That right there opened up the airway where you were feeling stressed here. Let me let me let me let me hit this scripture with you. Ooh, cut that right there. That, trust in me with all your heart. <clears throat> right there. Lean not on your own understanding. <clears throat> right there. Oh, let me cut you because you're struggling right here. Flee youthful lust. <clears throat> Let me let me cut you right there. Mike, oh let, let, let me cut you right there. L- love your wife like Christ loved the church. Are you loving her like Christ loved the church? Oh Mike, oh, 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 let, let me deal with this right there. Lord, Lord, like it says in Psalm 119, Lord, keep me from lying. I was reading another Lord, keep me from lying to myself. Let me cut you right there. Just God, oh my God, this is so good. God knows how and when to cut you. And he knows how deep. He, he, he know, see, because he knows more than any other person. A person may throw some stuff out, but God knows, I know, I know if it needs to be small or big. And we have to continue to come to his word to say, Lord, it almost, it's almost a, a, you know, a rough paper say, Lord, cut me. Just, just cut me, Lord. Cut, cut me how you will. Cut, cut me when you will. Cut me whenever you want to. Because I know that in your hands, I know that in your hands there's healing on the other side of this. I know that if you do it, if you do it, David even said, he said, Lord, let me fall into your hands. When God gave him a choice of falling into the hands of his enemy or to the hands, he said, Lord, just let me be in your hands. No, you do what you will with me. And we have to, we have to, we have to now submit to the cutting. <laughs> submit to the cutting, knowing that you are submitting to the hands of a master God and a master surgeon. He is not immature. He is not haphazard when he cuts with his word, but he knows where the cutting needs to. He knows exactly what verse to throw. To, for, 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 he knows exactly what verse to bring to you to say, okay, let me, let me get my life to go. Or we can say, that was exactly what I needed to hear today so I can go another week. We have to submit to the cutting, and the cutting and trust that his way is the right way. That when his word cuts, that it's the right type of cut. And the Bible says this. It's, it's, it continues. We're working through verse number 12. This is good stuff. It says that the word of God, it says that it exposes our innermost, innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so a lot of times when he's doing the cutting, he says, I, I'm cutting to, to expose the innermost. So whenever the word is read, whenever it is studied, whenever it is preached through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has said, let me expose you. Now, I want to I want to take a breath because I know we talk about exposure. Oh, God, he's exposing people. Uh, many times God ain't even, he's not even exposing you to other people. 
Let me expose you to you. Let me expose you to you. I, we think, you know, people being exposed and stuff be happening. That's probably down the line after God has exposed me to me a thousand times. It's like, all right, now I got to put you on blast. So when we see preachers, you know, doing crazy stuff and they put on blast, that's after probably like two, three, four, year five. God's like, I'm trying to tell you, you know, like, and I'm not saying that judgment. I'm saying when that comes, that's usually down the line after God has tried to show me to me multiple times. You see what I'm saying? And so most of the time, God is saying, let me expose you to you to show you who you really are. Let me show you what's really on the inside of you. And the thing is, are we allowing him to show us us? Are we allowing God show me me? You got to show my wife. I mean, show her, but you know, show me me. Are we allowing him to open our hearts? Are we allowing or are we are we determined to to try and push it down and not deal with it and not talk about it and, you know, not get to the healing? But he says, when my word gets to cutting, my desire is to expose the innermost thoughts and desires. And this is what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know me. He says, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. He says, search me, God. And one of the ways God searches us is through the word. As you continue to read your word, as you continue to pray over it and study over it, God's word is going through and searching. He's going through and searching. And that's between you and God. I'm not trying to know your business. I'm not trying to know your stuff. You got your stuff. I got my stuff. We all have to submit to the search. Oh, my God. We all have to submit to the search. In your private time, when you get home, when the kids go to bed, submit to the search. To say, God, as I take this in, as I read John 7, as I read Genesis 3, as I read Ezekiel chapter 13, search me, God. This is between me and you. Search me and point out the things in me that are not in line with you. And the Bible says this in, in, in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says that, you know the scripture, you probably heard it. Your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. Now we're dealing with the search. Now you talk about search lights. Now I ain't, I ain't, you know, the police come out there with the lights and all that. But the Bible says that the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It shows us which way, what is God's path and what is the, the, the road to destruction? What is God's path and what is the way of my own mind? What is God's path and what is the way of my flesh? And this is the thing, without the lamp, that's how we end up calling evil good and good evil. Without the lamp of the word, that is how we end up calling left, right and right, left. That's how we end up calling man, woman and woman, man. Without the lamp to say, this is who you truly are. This is who you truly are. This is who you truly belong to, right? And this is the thing, too. I want to deal with this, too, because I don't want I'm not trying to beat you down to say God exposed everything bad. But I believe that God will expose some good stuff in you. I'm believing God will show you that you are more than enough. Read my word and let me show you that you are blessed. Get in my word and let me show you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Get in my word and let me show you that I will continue to provide for you. Get in my word and let me show you that shame is not your inheritance. Get in my word and let me show you that you can overcome. And so of everything that we like to talk about bad, God exposing this, exposing that. And God exposed the good to me to show me that in you I can overcome. See, but we have to be willing to submit to all of the search. 
Because God will bring it all up and say, all right, let's take that. Let's throw that away. But let's keep this thing right here. Let me expose this dream in you that you had when you were seven, but that thought that someone had said it was stupid and you put it away. Let me expose this idea that I gave you when you were 13, but somebody said, oh, that's not going to work. You ain't got the money for that. Or this is where you come. Let me expose the good things that I've placed on the inside of you. Let me show you to you that you are more than enough in Christ. All exposure is not bad. All exposure is not. Some of that exposure is good. And it's good that, that we allow God to cut us open, to expose, to say, God, let's deal with the stuff that is not like you. Let's deal with the stuff that offends you. Let's deal with the stuff that's not lining up with you. But God, let's keep, let, let, show me that, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, hey, I am a, you know, I'm a little, I ain't saying I'm, you know, the big bad, whatever, but you know what, in Christ. I am somebody in Christ. I can stand up strong in Christ. I can walk with my head held high. God, let, let's expose some of that because the enemy would never would love for you to never know that he would love for you to keep thinking that you are nothing. He would love for you to keep thinking that oh, I'm the only one that struggles with this or that he would love you. But it's not, you're not the only one and you have some help in Christ. Allow God to expose the good in us as well. And this is the last thing. And I'm gonna let you go in verse number 13. It says this. Right on the tail end of that, it says that nothing in all creation is hidden from God. It says that everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. The Bible says in, one, in Psalm 139, that same passage earlier, it says that, but it says, even, dark, even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. It says to you, God, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness, this is, I want you to hear this. The Bible says that darkness and light are the same to you. My God. It says that to God, it says darkness and light are the same. This is all the same. So whether it's in the dark and it's under the, he said, I see that too. That, that ain't nothing. I know it's dark in there, but I see you. I see what's going on, right? And so what he's saying is that, and I love that, that picture, that everything is exposed before him. He says nothing, and it really is a, a, a challenge for us to say, you know what, God? I might as well be for real anyway, because darkness is his light before you. It's no point in me fronting because you see it all anyway. It's no point in me trying to act like I'm something I'm not, because you know what? God, before you, you see it all. And he really gives, up to, gives that to us as an encouragement, more so than a rebuke to say, hey, God already sees all. He already knows all. He already knows exactly what needs to be applied to bring healing in that area. And this is the last thing it says. After nothing is hidden, I want to leave you with this verse in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, verse 25, it says this, and I'll leave you with this. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I want to leave you with this. It says, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, that sets you free, and do what it says, then God will bless you. That scripture is encouraging us continue to look into God's word because his desire is for you to walk in freedom, not held bondage by anything, by any person, by any circumstance, by any mental situation, by any trial. He says, continue to look carefully into the perfect law of God because his law leads to freedom. His word leads to freedom. His scriptures lead to no more bondage. So understand that the cutting is to set you free. The revealing is to set you free. 
The removing is to set you free. The exposing is ultimately to set you free. And I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be free. I don't know anybody that wants to walk in bondage. I don't know anybody that wants to walk in chains. I don't know anybody that wants to stay bound for the rest of their lives. But God says, but what you, this is what you have to do. He said, continue to carefully look into this thing. Continue to consider my word. Continue to consider my promises. Continue to consider my mandates. Because he says, when you continue to do that, you continue to commune with who Christ is. And you continue to walk in that freedom in Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Amen.